Welcome to the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. And we're back to Star Wars Clone Wars Part 2, where we discuss episodes 11 through 20. My name is Zach Weber. Tonight, I'm joined by Mark. Hello, everyone. And Zanger. That's not one of ours. No, sir. That's Anakin. Yes, sir. Isn't there at least one more yes, sir, in there? I think so. I don't know. I just, I just, I just love that the interaction between him and the clone trooper. That just, yeah. I I had to spoil the 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 um to Ilum we must go last week. So bear Please with me. That. There, there's only so many lines I can pick from because literally there are only so many lines I can pick from. Zegger said he listened to the commentary. I did. I actually listened to the commentary for this. Where was the commentary? I went and tr- I pulled out my DVD and I couldn't find the commentary. It should be. There's like two different ones. I listened to the director one though. Where was it listed under? Like under uh, bonus special features? features? Yeah. Oh, because I went and put it in the player and I looked for a different like uh, audio track and I couldn't. Find no. It. Yeah, there, there's a, there's a there's another one I didn't even listen to. I think it's like fans or something talking about it, which I was like, Puff. boo. That's this. Yes. Zanger, you have tons of insights for us right now. Not really. I mean, there's some cool stuff that they mention about, like, the designs and where certain things came from and stuff like that. But, I mean, there's not, like, anything groundbreaking. I feel I've watched this before, so that's why I was kind of like, eh, about it. So there's no uh, major reveals, like, Palpatine is behind it all? Oh, get well, duh, but I gotta save that for later. Oh, okay, you're saving the good stuff for later. You suck the audience and you gotta have the, the weenie on a stick or the, exactly. the carrot on the stick. Okay, I think we went last. We kind of like gave our context behind this whole series. But yes. Mark, now that you've kind of refreshed your memory on this, this is the first season. So you've watched all the first 20 episodes. Do you have a... I, I know you weren't obviously as enthusiastic about this as Zenger or I were. Has your opinion changed much now that you've seen the latter half of season one? No. The correct the, answer is yes. Lots of action. and I mean, it's still lots of action, yeah. But... Um, Still not enough character depth. And he's wrong again, folks. He's two for two. So look forward to not hearing Mark talk much this episode, everybody. And Zinger and I just beam over how great this show is. It's the best thing ever. It's the best thing ever. It's just, it's just Zinger and I gushing over this show for for, for, for two hours straight. It's great. It's yes. great podcasting. Great, great podcasting material right here. Like I said last week, I, I did not watch the first season or the first 10 episodes as it aired because I was a very jaded 11-year-old saying, what is this three-minute nonsense? Get out of here. But between the airings of the first 10 and the latter 10, I caught, up, I caught up on it, and I fell in love with it. And I was – every Friday, 8 o'clock, I remember what I was doing because I – going back to my younger years, and I think Mark and Zenger will appreciate this. Every Saturday morning, I would go to – during this time frame. I would go to Toys R Us and do their Yu-Gi-Oh thing. So like my like late like like my Friday nights and the Saturday mornings were kind of like the highlight of my week. Star Wars Clone Wars aired at eight o'clock that night, and then first thing in the morning, I got to go off and play Yu-Gi-Oh at Toys R Us. Like I always joke with people, if you've listened to the Cinemodies podcast, you've heard me talk about how um, when I lived in Florida, the last like couple of years, it was kind of like my my Nirvana of life, and how nothing will ever be that ever again for me. So I really, this is one of those time periods in my life where I think everything was just kind of like, uh, what's the phrase that Zenger was using last episode? Everything's coming up Anakin. Yeah. It, well, everything was coming up Zach. And then it would come to a crashing halt toward the 
mid two thousand, mid to late 2004. But that's a story for another day. I was in at the ground floor for all these episodes, and I was, I was drinking the Kool-Aid hard. So with that being said, let's get into our first chapter, chapter 11. We pick up exactly where we left off with chapter 10. Anakin is up above Mutalist. He is having a... How would you describe this, Zanger? Like a ship duel? with a Go dog dogfight. Dog Go dogfight. Well, we don't her. know. It's just a ship at that point. No, they don't know. Because numerous times it said, he's he's not a droid pilot. This pilot is too good. Stuff like that. Very... Which they, there, is, there is something from the from the commentary is that they said that they were trying to decide if they wanted to reveal that it was her then or later. So they didn't know the gender of Asajj Ventress. Oh no, who, if what who the pilot was of the ship. Oh okay. Because there because there's one scene where they're down and he's talking to Obi Wan. He's like, Anakin, it's under control, Master. You're supposed to be in space leading our forces. It's under control. Under control? I don't think so. Your place is with your squadrons, young one. Not, not chasing one ship through the city streets. Master, this is no droid pilot. And the force is with him. I can't let him get away. It shows her sitting in the thing, grinning her face off as she's freaking flying around the, the, um, the city. Uh, okay. They during the commentary they mentioned that they didn't know if they wanted to show her or not. Then oh. that they might have kept it like hidden until like later that it was actually her. But they decided for ease of storytelling they wanted to show her. Oh, okay. Well, see, so there, a wealth of knowledge. There, the the um the commentary was beneficial to listen to. There you go. See, Zanger, it's paying off already. Had the dog fight with her in space, but then she goes toward the city. And we go to the same Unilist, I don't know if it's a capital, but city that Obi-Wan was fighting on. And they're just dogfighting through the city streets, which is another thing this show is doing that I wish we could see in live action. The idea of having a Star Wars dogfight in the middle of like an empty, abandoned city is just a great visual. I know we kind of get like, I don't want to call it a dogfight, but it's more of like a chase and attack of the clones between Anakin and Zam Wessel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I know. Bring, bring up Attack of the Clones is kind of like the uh, that's a taboo word around these parts. It Especially is. when Zanger's around. Yeah. So, no, let's not go there. <laughs> oh man, Mark's to put the, the prequel hater boot down. There's a great exchange when Anakin is and it's worth noting too is that you have Anakin just, like he's firing everywhere all over the city. He's shooting buildings. Oh yeah, they're shooting up everything. I don't even think she is. He's just shooting up No, everything. she never takes a shot the entire time. Obi Wan. Great dialogue. Great dialogue exchange between Obi Wan and the clone trooper. No talking about their emotions and how they feel. Sanger and I love this show for this reason, and Mark does not like it for that reason. Oh no, it's funny because I do love the other series for its how in depth they get, but at the same time, I never cared about the clone troopers that way until the show basically said, "No, you should care about them." The no, new we... series made me care about clones. This one was just kind of like they're soldiers; they're doing their job. Damn it. Yeah, and even the mo- the movies don't even really get into that. Like, Revenge of the Sith, it's much more in line with Attack of the Clones, obviously, because the, the TV show came three years after Revenge of the Sith was out. But you don't get that sort of, like, just, like, jovial interaction amongst the clones. Like, I think even Commander Cody's maybe the closest you get to that. 
again, we were kind of it was being discussed in our Facebook group with Chris, who's a very active participant in our Facebook group. Check out our Facebook group if you're interested in hearing us. If you want to have Mark peer in your uh, digitally peer in your curtains when you're not looking. Can't do that anymore. It's a closed group. Oh, yeah. Mark can't do that anymore. Mark, did I shut the blinds on you? <laughs> Close it. You, you changed the group setting? <laughs> yeah, I changed it from an open group to a closed group. So you have to be a member now to uh, see what's uh, going on. Uh, I ain't going to be able to lurk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, Zinger. I didn't even think about that. I guess now that Mark can't lurk anymore, the group will just flourish now until Mark Palmer creates a, uh, what, what was the exact phrasing, Mark? A non-personal personal personal Facebook account? An anonymous Facebook account. An anonymous personal Facebook account. So you have that. He's attacked throughout the city. Like Zinger said, we have one of the greatest exchanges of dialogue possibly in the history. I, I think Lucas came in and I saw, I guess maybe uh, Tartakovsky was having a meeting at Lucasfilm, and he saw some of the script and how very little dialogue there was. So Lucas, Lucas was like, I, I can't have that. And so uh, I, I, I feel like we need to add some dialogue here, maybe some interaction between the clone trooper and, um, and, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, or old Ben Kenobi, as he'll later be called. Sure, George, hold on a second. Uh, let me just jot down. Uh, how about that? What was that? I don't know, General. That's not one of ours. No, General. That was Anakin. Yes, General. Oh, that seems like good dialogue right there. That's that's believable people dialogue. That's how I talk to people. <laughs> I like Zarian took it one step further. I just figured like Tartakovsky told George, "Hey, George, what's that over there? Is that some? Is that a, a practical effect?" And Lucas goes, "Where?" Like, and then like, I, and then like immediately like, Lucas just ran away real quick. <laughs> hey George, someone's shooting a special effects scene without green screen. What? He goes like running over. Put that down, Dennis Murin. Put I told you no practical effects la- allowed in this mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. anymore. Like, you know, like this like, infamous meme of like Lucas since like 1983 has like all like the original trilogy like props around him. This is like 2005, and it's just a blue screen. Yeah, I, I, I like to imagine like in the 1983 when like after he took that picture, he's like, "Okay, burn it down." But but Mr. Lucas, this is like priceless, like like material from your films. I said, "Burn it down." No one's ever gonna remember this again. We can just digitally map me into the screen, superimpose me. We don't need real stuff anymore. All right, to, uh, enough uh, dunking on uh, George Lucas. Oh, don't worry, so, there'll be more later. I bet. Be nah, more later. we'll be all right. Anakin follows the Sage Ventress back into space. He sees that she's going to uh, light speed. Jumping into hyperspace. You have his coordinates? Then plug them in. He's not losing us. Anakin! Master, the battle up here is more than one. I can handle this. Do not follow that ship! Anakin, do you hear me? Do not follow that ship! That is an order! Anakin! Sorry, sir. Your signal is breaking up. Padawan, if you... You have the coordinates? Yes, General. Take a squad and follow him. Wait, wait, wait. He was able to track her through light speed, right? No, I think... I think... Uh, this is a weird thing that happened. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Last Jedi, for bringing up this plot hole of a thing. No, I think... Because it used to be in Star Wars, before Last Jedi made this a, a huge plot point, was 
they were able to like trajectory. They were able to tell like where where like think about it because this is one thing that reading a lot of the new like canon novels has brought to my attention is that they have like the trajectory like hyperspace lanes like it's always I remember like going back to even like the two thousand eight Clone Wars movie they're like oh Jabba controls all the major like like hyperspace lanes and I never like, it never made sense to me I'm like how do you control hyperspace like you just like you watch a New Hope and you're like Han Solo just punches stuff into the computer and they go to light speed like what is there what is there to do and in the novels and it's never explored really in any of the films I think the last episode of rebels or the last two really gets into it is that the hyperspace lanes are almost like the highways of the universe. Like there are different, like, even though you don't like, you don't get caught in hyperspace, like travel or um, traffic. There is this idea of like, if you have a bunch of ships coming out, like light speed at once, there is like, they all, they took like this one road to get there. And I just had the idea like, Oh, if like a ship, like, like let's take this for example, Asajj Ventress is like pointing in a very specific direction there's only like a handful of planets should be going to. It's not just like oh, like you point, like I, I can have. Is, is there a northeast, west in space? Well, I it's, guess it's also you know that the if they're pointing in this direction, you know their cord, you know, you know they could be heading, and um, the fact of Han Solo did point. Wow, why am I arguing this? Um, Han Solo did point out, you know, you you don't want to end up in a supernova or go through a planet or something like that. I guess they are like. Direct, I mean, straightaways to where you don't have to like there. There will never be anything in your way doing those jumps. Like it's 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 a safe, easy jump. So I guess that's how I don't know. Well, but I think there's also the thing too. Like even though you can like do a jump to like light speed, and you can like you can like you're going in a general direction. How do you know like how far somebody stops and somebody can just go to jump to light speed and just jump like I don't know. I don't know the, a unit of, of hyperspace light speed like like they can do Parsec. like parsec. Yeah. Mm, yeah. No. Say fine. Say the, say the of a parsec. Okay, I, I, that's incorrect. But we're going to use it for lack of a, a, a better term. If if you know the exact term of like how many hyperspaces you need to go to get to like a planet, yell it out loud now. Yell it out loud now. Um, embarrass yourself in a room full of crowded people. So like, so I guess for example, you could like, oh, he doesn't know that Asajj Ventures went one parsec or fifty. Like, even though you're going in a general direction, it's you don't know how far the person got. It's kind of like, imagine, like, if a, a police officer was trying to chase somebody, like, in a getaway car, and it's like, oh, they're heading in that direction. Well, you don't know, and they're heading on to, like, the interstate. You don't know how far they're going. It's just kind of like, oh, they could be getting off at the first exit or 40 exits from here. It's it's a guess, but I, I, that's never, I, I don't know, that's kind of like demystifying Star Wars is trying to explain too much of it, and that's where you get into the Last Jedi. There, where... that's what that's what Last Jedi ruined. If it ruined anything, it ruined that. Apparently, like, yeah, that it didn't ruin Luke Skywalker. It no, didn't ruin Admiral Akbar. It didn't ruined undo- the two thousand three animated series for this one scene where he goes, "I've got the coordinates. I'm going after." Her. And then it's like, also, wait, how? And then on top of that. Obi-Wan asked the, the ARC troopers, do you have its coordinates? Yes, sir. Yeah. And they take a squad and follow him. And we see a ship go off, and they obviously follow him to a uh, unidentified planet at that, that time. That is probably Yavin 4. The, probably Yavin 4. They don't, uh, you know, they don't actually chase them through hyperspace if they already have the coordinates. 
I don't. I don't consider well, chasing it, through high. I guess so. in the on the other side, maybe she. I mean, she was obviously trying to get him to follow her. So, but what? But that'd be really like obviously that would be a trap though. Like, like I don't know. Like I, I think, and that does happen in Star Wars. Like there's are there are other examples where it's like, do you have the like? Does that ever happen in the movies? Like, do we have someone's coordinates? Like, go follow them. Death Star chasing the Millennium Falcon, but there was a tracking device. Oh, um, even though it's not technical, okay, okay, think everyone take your head out of current Star Wars and put yourself back to before Rogue One. I guess Vader was able to track Princess Leia in the Tantive Four. They came out of hyperspace at one point. Obviously, Vader tracked them. True. I know in the stupid forty, the forty years from a certain point of view book, they go into like, excruciating detail. Like explaining that, like oh, the, it was in the Radis. Uh, the Tandy Four was in the Radis. It was getting repairs, and the damage it had, uh, the damage it received prior to the whole Rogue One battle Scarif was like it had like a very like leaky uh, hyperdrive that could be tracked easily through hyperspace. <laughs> so again, but if you want to attack Ryan Johnson for ruining hyper hyperspace and all that. Or light speed, from a certain tracking. point of view, book already, already tracking whatever. Uh, they already ruined it during the events of Rogue One. So, as the only thing wrong with Last Jedi, and not yes. enough porgs. Well, that goes without saying. Yes. So our next chapter. Anything else you want to say about Chapter Eleven? It picks up later. It picks up later. We get like three. I like got what? We get like four chapters in a row of that. Yeah. So we go to chapter 12. Chapter 12 is Mace Windu. And I'll let Zenger explain these next two chapters. Oh, yay. Yes, chapter 12 and 13 take place on Dantuing. And it starts off with this little boy running out through a field. And yes, we finally get what Dantuing looks like. It's kind of just how I imagined it. Boring. Get this little boy running out. And he's overlooking a giant battlefield. And also, if you want something else from the commentary, having that boy there was something they had originally wasn't originally part of the story. But I'll pick up on why he got added later because they do explain. But no, I mean, you, you pick up with Mace Windu basically leading a ton of clones and he is handing a ton of droids their collective rears, metal rears, and um, just basically going to town all of them and then he they come into contact with a seismic tank which another thing from the commentary they said that they were very disappointed with the fact that you could not truly enjoy this on most televisions back in the day because what they would have uh, just just the sound they they made sure that there was no sound leading up to that thing and afterwards because they they wanted to be like this very booming thing when it went off this giant seismic basically piston thing that just went into the ground and created a giant crater.
And Mace, of course, loses his lightsaber and is forced to fight hand to hand, which you think, oh, no, he's going to do. No, he does awesome. The 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 entire fight scenes are great. I love it. I love that he, you know, is just basically I I'd say almost more dangerous, possibly without his lightsaber against these droids, because he like basically is able to crush several of them at a time. He takes one of them apart by just force, basically pulling all of their parts apart like screws everything and then uses that to throw at another set of droids, basically a shrapnel. And it's awesome. And I'm going to stop there so that we have a little bit left for the end of this. Cause he gets his <laughs> lightsaber back and has to fight. He fights a seismic tank, but anyways, I'm going to stop right now because so, so if you're watching this with us, I'm stopping at the point where he makes the force bubble to make sure the dust doesn't get in his awesome face. This has to be the, the two chapters with the least amount of dialogue, right? No, there, I don't think there is dialogue. Well, there's, the droids say some stuff. Uh, they're droids. They don't count? So no, nope. technically, no main, there's no main character dialogue. No, he's just him glaring at stuff and being shocked. Yeah, yeah. There's, I think this was the, the first episode. I think this is the first indicator. I, I didn't read a lot of uh, prequel EU stuff at all during this time. But this was really the because there always were back during the prequel era. There was always like not rumors, but talk about how like Mace Windu was the most powerful Jedi or one of the most powerful. And we really don't see him ever do anything like that in any of the movies. He's like obviously Phantom Menace. He sits there. Attack of the Clones. He has a pretty couple cool moments here or there. Revenge of the Sith. He dies, <laughs> and that's pretty much again. Mace Windu doesn't do much. And this was one of the probably the only example you had prior to the Clone Wars where Mace Windu is just like. More or less unstoppable. Yeah, like that's that's. I don't think there's a better way to describe it. He's just this like force of nature, and I don't think Zenger. I, you know, it's not as bad as as last uh, two weeks ago when we discussed this. Although What's the Obi Wan speeder bike, the Obi Wan speeder bike. You're like, oh, he he drives a speeder bike up up the side of of a uh, of like a yeah, giant, yeah, like, yeah 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 like like hundred story tower. Hey, you 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 had the Akira homage earlier. What else do you want from me? Okay. <laughs> Zanger described it pretty described it pretty well, but he's just unstoppable without that lightsaber. And I think one of the Zanger described, but he again, he takes apart a droid. Like he has all of its what uh, screws. Everything he basically puts his hand out. Everything on the droid, like screws, bolts, everything just comes apart and it just falls into a pile of you know what makes it. And then he basically just flings that into another group of droids and it shreds them because why wouldn't you do that? Seriously. Why would you not do that? Like, I don't understand. Like a lightsaber is one thing, but if I could sit there and seriously, like, just be like, oh, let me do this. And now I've got literally thousands of pieces of metal I can now send at any speed I want because I can use the force through a ton more pieces of metal. Why would I not do that? And that's why I think part of the reason why Lucas did not like this show was that I, I don't think he wanted the Jedi to ever be that powerful. I think the uh, cartoon really make uh, make the Jedi look like they were overpowered. That's my opinion. Well, yeah, I agree with Mark on that. I think this is the closest Star Wars has ever gotten to, like, godlike jedi before the four like this is I, you have to agree zenger this whole San, uh, mace windu part is very star killer-esque yes and he, he is yes, he's just, just is. like this force of nature 
that that nothing can stop him. He has such a a focus on the force that's really unparalleled outside of Star Killer. Yeah. I yes, it oh, okay, I'll admit this. It is ridiculous, it is over the top, but god dang I love it. Oh, it's no, don't get me wrong. It's cool because we've never it And it's not the most over the top thing that will happen in this series, by the way. Mm, I, I I I challenge that. I know what you're, I know what you're going I, at. Okay, I was about to say I, I don't want to say it, but I I mean, come on. Yeah, it is pretty over the top. But it, but in a cool way. Um, it yeah. works. It, it it doesn't take it only it takes away from it if you look at Star Wars as like a whole. But looking at it just in the events of this series, it works to the T. Again, Lucas did not like, and we'll get into this part of why Lucas also didn't like uh, part of this with Chapter Twenty. I just finished the Thrawn Alliances no- uh, novel, and there's a lot in between that. And there's some parts in that, but other Star Wars stuff with the Jedi. The Jedi are not supposed to be so are articulate with the Force with objects, and for Mace Windu to be able to literally pull out every every piece of metal that holds the droid apart, I would imagine that would be a sticking point for for good old Jorge Lucas. That would st- that would seem like a deal. Like if somebody like back during the Clone Wars two thousand eight era, if somebody kind of pitched him on like an action sequence like this, I would imagine he'd shoot it down immediately because it's it's he's too. Again, I know we said before he's too powerful though, but he's just he's a one man machine. And but wasn't that what the Jedi's were supposed to be? They were supposed to be like a one man army almost. No, because if you go back to the Phantom, I was thinking about this. It's interesting you bring it up, but going back to the Phantom Menace. Oh, right. We're here to protect you. We can't fight a war for you. And I think that's foreshadowing of what was going to happen in the subsequent films, much like how our, our friend in the Facebook group, Chris, our also listener, Pork Knight, you have company. You have like, you're no longer a party of one. He's sitting at like a cafe eating dinner by yourself. You've got like three or four people now at the Knights of Vader booth. Don't get me wrong, the restaurant's like, yeah, more you can almost empty. tip, you almost are forced to tip more soon. Yeah, like it, it's not as like, don't get me wrong, it's still awkward. You're like, you're in a booth with like three different strangers that you don't know at all, and the restaurant's just like empty. But, Hey, at least you have some company now. You can like awkwardly ask someone to like pass you a napkin. Yeah. But no, going back to what Chris was talking about, the fact that like how much like foreshadowing was going on in Star Wars as a whole when Lucas was behind it. Shadowing. <laughs> I'm gonna go. So yeah, there was there was a lot of that. I, th- I think that was one thing that the Jedi were not meant to be a, a one man army. Anything else you want to talk what, about what this? Could they have been? Uh, this shows that you could do that, but I, I think it's like Zenger brought up. It's kind of like if you know the Jedi are all capable of doing this, it kind of takes a lot of the weight out of of certain circumstances. Like, oh, why can't they? It's kind of like what happened during the Phantom Menace, where in the very beginning, where Obi Wan and Qui Gon are on the uh, droid control ship, and they do like the was it called a, a Force Dash? Yeah, from the destroyer. Yeah, droids. cool stuff and, that never gets brought up again. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's an infamous Red Letter Media Mr. Plinkett point where, like, Obi-Wan is, like, racing t- toward the end of the film where Qui-Gon and Darth Maul are, are uh, facing off in between, like, the energy binder dividers. And it's like, oh, wait, what could have happened? Like, when would you need to do a force stash again? That'd never be important again. Oh, wait. And he cuts the footage of the end of The Phantom Menace. Yeah, like, there's things like that where you introduce something the Jedi can do and they can't do it again. And it's like, and you kind of end up treating Star Wars kind of like a video game, like, oh, their force power, like their force bar wasn't high enough for them to complete this maneuver yet. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to you watch, bunch of fools. 
I'm gonna have to rewatch that scene again. Oh no, it Defense is Man. it is like beat you over the head almost level. I don't like, remember. Whoa. I thought you were just like dash. Oh no, they that. they they both like blur away. All right. I was gonna mention. Um, do you guys think that overpowered Jedi in the Clone Wars cartoon in this cartoon? Do you think like it gets into the uh, uncanny valley territory? And like well, uncanny valley, as in like it's distra- distracting, or do you mean it's just like it, it takes you out of the series? Both, I guess. I don't know. I mean, is that the proper phrase? Uncanny un- valley. Un- no, no. Uncanny valley Jarring? is the feeling you get when you watch the um. Alita Battle Angel thing, and you're like, that ain't right. I'm fully on board with that movie. Fully on board. It look it looks like it looks like a mess, and I love it when James Karen produces movies. Oh no, it it it's just I'm like her her eyes are bothering me to no end. Stop. That's the point, though. It looks that movie looks really. I, I mean, like visually, it looks very uh, put together, well put together. Oh right yeah, it, I, I, I'm not. It's just there. There is. It's it's just she is just resting right knee uncanny valley of like stop it please this something about this does not compute well if you actually if you like i, I remember for a while you guys remember that movie called like truth or dare that came out like a few months ago and sure. something happened in that movie yeah nobody remembers it either it, whatever it was like something happened like a demon possessed people and like when you were possessed by the demon your eyes got like super enlarged and when like every time i see a commercial for it on tv i was convinced that was the elite battle angel like cover i was like oh look they're advertising uh battle angel on tv and, and like the lead actress in that truth or dare movie looks just like the i guess the the character design for elite battle angel so i'm like oh look they're doing that and it, I, for like a week i was like so confused i'm like what is this this movie doesn't come out until august why are they advertising it in april anyway but no going back to mark's point i don't think uncanny valley is the correct word i think jarring I think if it takes you out of the series, but did you say both this and the 2008 series, Mark, or just this one? No, just this one. Not- uh, no, I, I again, Zenger and I are kind of tainted by nostalgia. But- tainted by nostalgia. I don't think I have anything left that hasn't been touched by it with this series. <laughs> the series is perfection. <laughs> there you go. Well, okay, you have Zenger's answer, Mark. I, I'm able to take off my rose-tinted glasses a little bit, or at least kind of like peek out the side of them. I agree with you. Some of it is a little over the top. But I think every. I think that's the point of the show. It's it's kind of like walking into something like Evil Dead or like any Sam Raimi movie and being like, oh, this is too cheesy. I think if it's baked into it, it's not. Again, if it's designed that way, you can't make you can't attack it for it. If you walk into this show and your and your preference is not that, I could see how it could take you out of it. But I think if you have to just understand that's what it's going for. It's again, it's again going back to the Last Jedi. You can't claim something is bad just because it's not your preference. If it's if it's made well, just because it's not your cup of tea, you can't declare it bad because you just don't like it. Uh, but no, I guess I could see where you're coming from, Mark. I could see if somebody if somebody watched the 2008 series and was like, "Oh, look, there's more Clone Wars content," and they got into this, I could see how it would be jarring to them. And I don't know if we talked about that much. Zenger kind of brought up that, but the giant, like, seismic smashing weapon. Like, we always talk about, like, super weapons in Star Wars, and everything has to be, like, a Death Star or, or some sort of ship with, like, a laser beam on it. Isn't it great if there's a super weapon and it's just, like, a giant hammer that smashes things? Including their own troops. <laughs> Including their own troops. Uh, you think there'd be, like, some sort of command for, like, I don't know, considering that you probably could, like, magnetize this giant, like, 
hammer mallet. Why not just like magnetize it, have like all the droids come, have them like be collected. But no, like Zinger said, it's just everything gets sucked up in. They smash everything because why not? Because crazy over the top scenes need to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mar- Mark, what's just more jarring, an overpowered Mace Windu or a giant weapon that's just like a giant like space hammer? Um. Honestly, probably the space hammer. To be honest, when you put it that way, probably the space hammer. <laughs> oh man, I'm talking. I'm making Mark dislike this show even more. Uh, I can also kind of put contextualize things, you know, as far as like what you know how the Jedi were like before the fall of the Republic. You know, many of them were very powerful, and you know they would be quick and powerful with their with their lightsabers and stuff. It's not surprising. Um, I'm not expecting, you know, slow fights like in the original trilogy. So when you contextualize things, you can see why they would do it as such. That said, this is an animated show. It's not totally unbelievable that they would embellish on details on an animated series like this. So, you know, they're going to embellish just like they embellish on the art, on the style. They're going to embellish on the fights as well. Which is a definite hallmark of uh, Gendy Tartofsky. That is a that is a hallmark of him is um, embellished action amongst the characters in his works. So, uh, I th- do you guys remember back during like the lead up to the Force Awakens? There was like rumors going around that like Leia was gonna have a weapon called like the Space Hammer. You guys I remember that feel like I remember that for some reason. Well, I think I think you and I have talked about that. Yeah, I remember reading rumors about that. Um... During the Force Awakens, you know that both the uh, the First Order and um, the Resistance were going to have some sort of like large super weapon or some sort. Wouldn't um, it have been great if this was the weapon Leia had? Like, Leia, like, like instead of like uh, what happened in the film, where it's like you have the Resistance come out like an X-wings, Leia shows up in this giant machine with like a giant hammer. It's just her starts- laughing hysterically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been funny. Now that's the episode seven I want. Carrie Fisher in a giant like space hammer gu- like ship, just smashing the planet right apart. <laughs> okay, robot chicken. Um, we know you're listening out there, Seth Green. We know you're an avid listener of ours. One, Get make on me that. a writer on the show. Two, I'll write this scene. Second, will you do that when you when your first job for a robot chicken? When you make the fourth robot chicken Star Wars special? Oh, it will be right up there. I think maybe even Colin Madman. I sound like a Colin, like Madman Trevorrow almost. Like imagine, like I'm gonna have Leia, and like he goes to like Lucasfilm. He's like pitching Kathleen Kennedy the his outline for Episode Nine. He's like, okay, uh, we gotta figure out how Ka- uh, Colin Trevorrow talks so we can do an impression of him. I, I need and to he, listen to some stuff with him on it then. All I know is that he looks like angry, like in every single picture of his. I remember when I was I was doing some like Photoshop job. And every time you type in Colin Trevorrow into like Google Images, and like it's the exact same, just like look on his face in every picture. I think there's, like, one picture I have, like, a hundred of him smiling. Uh, but I think I can imagine going to Kathleen Kennedy. He's like, Kathy, I have this great idea for episode nine. It's going to be with Princess Leia in a giant space hammer ship going around smashing planets. Uh, Colin, uh, Miss Fisher passed away, like, like, like a year ago. No, no, but then what's going to happen is he's, then Blue the Velociraptor shows up and Chris Pratt's in there somehow. And there's a dinosaur that winks into the camera. And Kathleen Kennedy's, like, sold. Got my Trevorrow voice whenever we need it. 
Danger. Okay, you said you had some uh, commentary talking points about the little boy that bookends the Mace Windu. Yeah, and then of course it it ends with him slicing up this giant ship by himself, and then jumping out of it and landing in front of this kid. And then as a they they said it was straight up an homage to the um, Mean Joe Green, you know, the kid giving him a coke and throwing him. Yeah, it's straight up an homage to that. They basically were like, yeah. And and they said that having the kid, there was someone to basically have it as a point of view. They said otherwise it was just this weird sort of, we went to this battle and then went out of it. It just didn't have like a anything really going on with it. So I, I can kind of agree with it. Nice touch. I think this is the most humanized Mace Windu is throughout all of Star Wars. And also they point out that, you know, that, that this kid watching him like like it truly shows how the Jedi's were like these heroes above you know everything else that they were like that's they they were the heroes of the galaxy basically so you ever think maybe that's another reason why Lucas didn't like this was that he was trying I think that's one of the even though I like the prequels I think that's uh, one. I just I just think that that the Jedi's are just the ultimate villains in the end I mean they allowed Palpatine to rise to power and that just can't happen. George, you're writing this yourself. You can change the script or, you know, write anything else. No, no. The Force works through me now. (laughs) I'm the conduit for the Force. Hey, George, there's some green screen over there. Oh, no, I better go fill it with with green objects that I can then digitally make (laughs) other stuff. And away I go. That's one of the failures of the prequels, I think, is that the Jedi... We're, I, Lucas wanted to convey the fact that like the Jedi were like losing their humanity and their hubris was just like ever increasing, and we do get some of that in the Clone Wars, the 2008 series, but that's really it's not evident at all in any of the movies outside of maybe the the Anakin not being allowed to sit on the Jedi Council. Maybe maybe that was that was one part of it. I, like Zenger said, Zenger uh, uh, Lucas was in control of all this, yet he seemed to like I don't know. And maybe it's no idea. Maybe Lucas had so many spinning plates at once that he couldn't balance all this appropriately. But the Jedi, I think humanizing the Jedi at the level that this does with Mace Windu and the little boy, I think was beyond Lucas's. And they also do it more later too. Do they? I'd say they kind of do. In what uh, the chapters twenty one through twenty five? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah maybe. All right. Everything else you want to talk about, uh, Mace Windu? I mean, it's a, it's an amazing scene. It definitely is awesome. But it's not right. the last we'll see of him being awesome. No, but it is for this season one. So moving on to chapters, what, 14, 15? Yeah. We have another back-to-back segment of Padme. It wouldn't be right unless we have a Padme story somewhere mixed in with all this. And, Darren, you want to explain this one again? <sighs> Uh, Yoda has to go to um, Ilum. Because... No, that, that's the second half. Oh, damn it! All right, Zenger didn't right. like this. So I'm, I'm going to take the baton back from Zenger. Obviously, this was not a Zenger segment. Oh, oh, sorry, I, I skipped straight to 15. I forgot. This is a four part, a three parter. No, that was a two parter. No, 14, 15, and 16 all have to do with Ilum. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. How about that? At least the thing I'm reading says that they that that's it. Oh well, okay. I always thought it was a two-parter. Anyway, I, I wish they'd go back. I wish there was like a feature on the DVDs to do like uh, like the chapters because you kind of lose. I, I, every time I watch, it, I kind of lose track of like when each began, which ended. The beginning of chapter 
14 is you have Barris Offie before Lucas made her a bad guy and Luminara Unduli. They are in the Jedi what crystal temple on Ilum. There, Barris Offie's creating a new lightsaber. The crystal is the heart of the blade. The heart is the crystal of the Jedi. The Jedi is the crystal of the Force. The Force is the blade of the heart. All are intertwined. The crystal. The blade. The Jedi. You are one. You have taught me well. Master Luminara, remember always. The crystal is the heart of the blade. Paris Ophi, your training is complete. And while they're there, they are attacked by, I, I think this is what they were called, chameleon droids. They can kind of like turn visible. And while they're there building Barris a new lightsaber, the droids go around and plant bombs all over the temple. Something trespasses on sacred ground. The temple is breached. I sense a presence, yet see nothing. They are here. Uh, halfway through, Barris and Luminara. Yes, correct. Chameleon droids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They sense a disturbance in the Force, and they start to uh, fend off the droids, and then the droids detonate their payload, blowing up part of the temple, and not crushing them, but they both meditate and create a little bubble that shields them, or creates a little kind of like pocket of air away from the falling debris. And the last part of this chapter ends with Yoda say, Yoda kind of sitting his eyes open. And we move on to the next chapter because it's all kind of connected together. We'll just discuss it from there. Yoda says we have to go to Ilum to rescue Jedi. He's with Padme for some reason. It's never explained why he's with Padme. Captain Typho is there. Hmm. To Ilum, we must go. Absolutely not. You cannot risk the Senator's life like this. Milady, I must protest. Hmm. Very little time there is, Senator. Our only hope to rescue Jedi. To Ilum, we must go now. This is not a rescue ship. May I remind our Master Jedi we have a more pressing mission. A slight detour. Jeopardize the mission. It will not. A slight detour. Jeopardize the mission. It will not. Be put in danger. The Senator will not. Be put in danger. The Senator will not. Save the lives of Jedi. We must. Save the lives of Jedi, we must. Master Yoda, I am convinced. I will not require my captain's further persuasion. Huh? Hmm. Captain, make best possible speed to Ilum. Yes, milady. Ilum? That planet is on the other side of the system. A slight detour will actually... I don't have a more important place to be. They go to Ilum. Padme wants to help Yoda. Yoda tells her, Stay on the ship. You must. Much danger, I sense. Master Yoda, 
I can't let you go off to attempt a rescue mission alone. Yet alone, I must be, for the rescue to succeed. Call you I will, if assistance I require. And then he goes off into the into the snowy plains of Ilum, encounters some chameleon droids, defeats them, it arrives in front of the temple, then we cut back to this is where the lines between each chapter is kind of blurred. We cut back to Padme. She's worried about why Yoda hasn't checked in or come back. She goes out looking for him with R2D2 and C3PO. While they're there, they encounter a couple of chameleon droids. I think this is one of the more this is this is very 2008 series. It's reminiscent of, or I guess it, echoes of that. She's encountered by a couple of the droids. She shoots one of them. Then she kind of ducks for cover, but because they can turn invisible, she has to figure out ways to kind of like draw them out. So she throws her. Oh, it's also worth noting to discuss is that the the famous Snow Bunny Padme outfit originated from this. I know that that was back in the day. That was like one of the most popular Padme cosplaying was the Padme Snow Bunny costume. Oh yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, know. that was uh, that was really popular back in the day. Because you think about it, it was one of the easier. I think if you want to do like Padme cosplay. You either have to go like completely like all out for like Phantom Menace cosplay, or essentially, because I don't know, even her some of her Attack of the Clone stuff outside of like the Geonosis arena, like it, it's very elaborate like gowns and dresses. Like imagine doing like imagine if you're like a woman and you want to do like uh, Padme cosplay, it's like you're easily spending hundreds of dollars into a dress, like, like to like do it if you want to do it really right. And then you have, like, Geonosis Padme, which really is just, what, like, a, a crop top with, like, white pants? So this was, like, one of those outfits where you could kind of, it was different, yet it was not, like, casual like the Geonosis one was. But at the same time, though, you, it was very scene-specific. So that's, but again, yeah, the, the, the Snow Bunny Padme outfit, which I know there's, like, a, there's a lot, there was a lot of merchandise based around that as well. So she, uh... Throws her cape out there. She's able to shoot one of the uh, chameleon droids. Then she asks C-3PO to help her or go fetch it for her. The droids surround him, about to shoot him. She throws like, a, a grenade in the middle of, of all three of them. It somehow blows up both of the chameleon droids, yet C-3PO is just buried in like maybe a few inches of snow. Gotcha. Otto says there are two more still out there. Two more? Could you get my coat? Of course, Miss Padme. Oh, 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 oh. I must be out of my circuit. Oh, oh. Help! Help! I've been buried alive. Thanks, three PO. Oh, it was a pleasure, Miss Padme. What is it, R2? More droids? Oh, oh, no! Master Yoda! I'm so glad you're all right. Successful, my mission was. Save the Jedi are. But pain, my heart, is. What troubles you, Master Yoda? Nearly destroyed, the temple was. Revealed its secret location is. But by who, I know not.
Find the temple on Ilum. Destroy it. And that's the end of that uh, three chapters, which I didn't know were three chapters until right now. Obviously, this is not one of your favorite uh, segments. So all the clones have identity issues in the new series. Does that mean Jango Fett had an identity issue with himself, and that's just something they never touched on in the series? <laughs> so you're saying that when they clone, they use Jango Fett as the basis for all the clones, they um, they 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 took over all his mental defects as well, like all his insecurities. Yes, of being more than one of him, but yet each one of him has to be different and independent of themselves, and with a, a very different hairdo. Yes, and, and and for some reason, hair color too. I don't know. Is the hair color that different? A lot. They of them just... they they had a few of them had blonde hair every now and then. But I think well, it was it was of course dyed, but yeah. But I remember I remember like when the show first started. I don't know how any of this has to do with what we just I just laid out. But oh no, th- this this is me. I I have stuff to add to this. But this scene is it's cool to see Yoda do stuff. Padme's there doing stuff. It's cool because Anthony Daniels actually did his voice, and actually from the commentary they point out that he did he did um, look up, read over the lines, and said, "No, no, 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 you need to put this in instead," and gave them some line coaching on how C three PO would have said stuff or would have responded to stuff. So they said that was very cool. They said that the designs of the two Jedi's were, of course, in Episode two. I mean, yeah, Episode two, but they were sort of given carte blanche to do you know what they wanted with certain characters. So they wanted to use these two, and they said that they really. The only information on them is that they, you know, were student and master, so they decided to have them fight sort of in tandem with each other, where they were very synchronized fighters. And they, of course, said having Yoda do stuff was always cool and fun. So there's my commentary insight. And when's the next episode we're talking about? <laughs> well, before we get into that, I want because I know Zanger's watching it right now. Zanger, go look at the parts with um when Pat May's like looking outside the ship for Yoda. Her neck is extreme, like insanely long. Dear God. <laughs> You're talking about where she has the has the like binocular thing or the monocular thing since it goes yeah. to one eye. Dear well yeah, God. Like, she's in the snow with like Typho, C three PR two. Her neck is like a solid like what? Like eight <laughs> Six inches foot. above <laughs> She's like a giraffe. Padme is also a giraffe in this. Uh, they, 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 they they did say in the commentary they did like working with her and like, like the father-daughter dynamic they sort of had with, you know, um, Padme being like a concerned daughter for Yoda and everything. Like he, he he's old, like she doesn't know that he can take care of himself sort of thing and that he, you know, is trying to protect her and whatnot. But yeah, it doesn't ever explain why the hell he's randomly with her. Yeah. Aside from plot convenience. Yeah, like I said, he's there for whatever reason. Who knows? But I, that's one thing I liked about this more than, like, what they used Padme for in, like, in the 2008 series. And even, like, I guess I finished reading Thrawn Alliances, and Padme has a nice part of that book as well. Or at least she's, she's, she's in a nice part of it. Is that Padme's, like, very, like, Padme always starts off, like, very proactive. Then she, like, slowly becomes, like, more and more reactive where she's, like, forced into a corner. Which might be just Star Wars at large, but I just feel like they do that a lot with Padme, where Padme's not always like a hundred percent. Not that she's in charge of the scenario, but like she she she's back and she's just further and further back into a corner, and somebody kind of has to like dig her way out of it. 
with this, I think it's really clever that she kind of, she, not that she solves all of her problems, but she takes care of the droids. Like, she doesn't, you're the, like, Anakin doesn't, like, if this was a 2008 series, Anakin would be placed right in the middle of this. Like, he just show up at no I'm here now. Well, yeah, he does. Like, he has, like, even, again, they make a big point of this in the Throne Alliances book, which, again, you can tell it's seeping into my, my conversation with this. But, like, oh, they make a point of saying, like, oh, Anakin, 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 he says something like internal dialogue in that, like, oh, Anakin's like, oh, Padme's really good at handling herself, though. Like, then why are you always here when she gets into trouble? And I like the idea of keeping, like, just show, like, going back to kind of, like, Phantom Men- Menace era Padme, where she, she could handle herself. Like, she, she didn't always need Anakin to protect her. Even if it was Anakin kind of uh, doting on her, it was just the fact that keep them keep them far apart from each other. I, th- I think they're they're interesting characters. The further apart the way they are, um, but no. So yeah, I, I I think that was interesting. They did that with Padme. They gave kind of Padme a new dynamic, like Zenger was saying, with the kind of like the father daughter element, which I think is missing. Again, going back, I think I've said it a couple times on here. Anytime there was a Star Wars, the Clone Wars, Padme centric episode, they they just kind of like came to a grinding halt. Because either it was political intrigue, or or I don't know, like all these different things. Like she was uncovering some sort of spy network within the Senate. Very rarely it was like Padme out in the field of her own volition, not because she was being asked to be like the diplomatic part of something Obi Wan Anakin were doing, but it's like Padme was out on her own mission, doing her own thing. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm projecting onto this, but I, I definitely like the direction they took Padme in this compared to what she normally did. In the 2008 series, and I also I, I also never liked the idea of making Barriss Offie into a villain. I I, I didn't like that. I, I liked the idea of them being master and apprentice. To have to, I know I did that a couple of times in the 2008 series. They made Jedi out to be disgruntled. I know that was Barriss Offie. Was that uh, Palm Krell was another disgruntled Jedi? I get it. They didn't like, choose I, this war. They were forced to have a war. They had they didn't want to take part in. Is that said in any of the episodes? I don't know. Sure, why not? I can imagine that being a theme of one of those episodes. It's like I should write for television or something. I know you're writing for Robot Chicken. You're writing for Lucasfilm Zenger. How many different like people are you writing TV shows and movies for? I'm writing a new House of Cards right now, with or without Kevin Spacey. Oh no, it's the one that plays out on CNN, Fox News, and everything every day. Da 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 da. So it's like a modern version of Murder She Wrote. Eh, if that's what the yeah, we're not gonna get political. <laughs> Woo! Hey, uh, so anything else you want to talk about this segment? No, no please move on. Okay, you can see Mark is not a big fan of these folks. Like, if they, if they're they all like in Lego form, Mark would like we would <laughs> shut Mark right now. He'd be like, "Wait, well, and then this part happened." And this is the model kit they used, but it should have been <laughs> this model kit instead. They didn't have the right minifig, so zero out of five stars. Unsubscribe. Perfect. So, so okay, Zinger, uh, lead us into our uh, second to last story arc of this last oh, ten episodes. Boy, so chapter seven, um, we pick up with 17. actually that seventeen. What did I say? Exactly. Seven. It's it's episode seven of season two. Leave me alone. Um, his ship's actually got a name. Oh, does it the blue ship? Yeah, A Z U R E Angel. Oh. Pfft. That's not a name. Well, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, so there this you go. a bunch of letters put together. Isn't that what words are? No. Anyways, <laughs> it, this is confirmed to be the um, to be a jungle moon of Yavin 4, so... Gonna say it's the same one. Uh, basically, Anakin shows up chasing, as we know, Ventress at hyperspace, and then as he's investigating, he 
runs into the clone troopers sent by Kenobi and is not too pleased with them being there because he's like, I can do this on my own. Whatever. I don't know why I went to a emperor voice for Anakin, but that's my whiny Anakin voice, apparently. So then he um, basically has them accompany him. They go through the woods. They basically get taken out one by one with the force by Asaz Ventress in equally brutal fashions most of the time. And I'm sure there's like five or six Wilhelm screams. And they also went to the tall grass. And as we know from um, Lost World, never go into the tall grass. And then we lose our four and his ship were both blown up. And then we commence with the fight between Anakin and Asajj Ventress. So with that, I'm going to stop there because I feel like the fight between Asajj and him is worth talking about separately from the lead up to it. Yeah, I, I love the, the, the clone deaths. Just like how over the top some of them are. Sergeant. Commander Skywalker. Obi-Wan. Yes, sir. Give you orders to follow me. Yes, sir. Fine. Have some men protect the ships. The rest in circle the clearing. Prepare to sweep the jungle. Something's not right. I can feel it. Trooper? Trooper? Trooper, are you all right? What happened? R4! Oh, I love the one where you just see one of them walking, and then you see another one just flipping through the air in the background. <laughs> He's just twirling through the air. <laughs> and, and the best part of this, and like, like that's the most like. None of them ever top. see any of it happening to the others, though. That's the no. other great thing. Apparently, nobody else can hear the comical sounds like we do. Apparently, the, the their helmets are like uh, cut off from any sort of sound. All this is going on. And, and so again, the one the guy flying through the air is the best. But there's like, like well, a one. Also, like, I do enjoy the fact that these troops instantly take commands from Anakin, even though they were sent there to kind of bring him back, sort of, right, or keep an eye. I don't know. I guess they're going to monitor him, but he, I guess he's he's a commander, so he does. So so what if one commander tells troops to go go get this commander? And that commander goes, "No, you're coming with me." Now they just have to go, "Yes, sir," and then keep going. Well, Obi Wan's the general, but I guess he's not. I guess it's whoever's there. So I guess I don't know. That's that's a weird one. We don't we don't know how the uh, the military rank in the, the the Republic were. Well, I mean, he's obviously a commander of the troops still. But like I said, it's just weird how he was. I don't know. I don't know. That, that's a weird one. I guess in, 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 there. In, in in the 2008 series, there would have been something about how their emotions and whatnot and and and. <laughs> sorry, I'm watching it. It's, just as a it's, trooper. <laughs> it's great. Alexander said that. I just love how were... brutal they're all beaten to death, too. Oh, like, yeah. Like, there's several of them that just get smacked against a tree numerous times. 
Well, yeah, I, I think it's smash against a tree. It's like kind of like a child playing with a, like a like a, a like a ra- like a what like a raggedy end almost. Yeah, it's just like I, they get smashed against a tree. One gets like decapitated. Another one gets like like knocked off his feet and like dragged through. And then gets exploded. And then gets exploded. Yeah, there's a lot of explosions in this. A lot of things just like spontaneously combust for no reason. Nah, it's something with the force. I guess. I, I told you it's you know over it's over the top. I mean, <laughs> I'm but Zanger, not... say the phrase that pays. It, it's so good, Mark. Come on. Oh, I didn't say it wasn't good. I'm just saying. Well, Come on. Like, I mean, I mean, what what movie are you going to get somebody standing with two red lightsabers with flames behind them? Other than this. Oh, and then sure. a fight where they proceed to jump from tree to tree and whatnot. Anyways, moving on to the next scene. If no, 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 no. We didn't talk about the fact. Okay, no, we still, we still got some more clone deaths to describe. Oh, dang we, it. We've got, we got one gets decapitated. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I'll, I'll run through all of them real quick. No, we don't know for sure. We got decapitated. We just see the helmet come off. Come oh, on. come on. His body's there. Like, his whole body's there. Next thing we know, all this is a helmet. All right, so they all run off. All right. There's all right. the three in the tall grass. We don't see what happens to them, do we? Uh, it's assumed they got attacked by raptors. <laughs> Should have counted how many troopers there are to see if we see all of them die, too. But I don't that's... think we see all of them die. Also, I don't think this is the same... Uh, I don't think this is Yavin 4. No, nah, it says on the thing, Yavin 4, on Wikipedia. And then this is all topped off with Anakin going, something's not right. <laughs> Arguably the most understated <laughs> line of dialogue in this entire series. Oh, and then but, one of them's getting dragged off towards, and Anakin goes running after him. And he's like, he's like oh, trooper. good, I'm safe. Everything's coming up, clone troopers. Everything. It's okay, Captain, I'm fine. Boom. God, there was a long delay for that. And then Anakin's whatever ship explodes and kills R4. So how does Ventress blow up both the ships? Like, like Is there like I'm a... Like, detonators. Is that what it is? Or is there like a self-destruct switch that she like, just turns on with the Force? I'm I'm gonna say there she has detonators on her. But and going yeah. back to what I was saying with Yavin four, I don't think this is Yavin. I think this is one of the moons of Yavin because if you look at the planet Yavin, it's too close to the moon. It's not it that just close. Said, it, according to the thing I have, it says on the jungle moon of Yavin four. It does not say if it's the same well, one. It's, it's a Star Wars nerd. Everything's incestuous. Everything has to be connected. Of course, they're gonna say they're not gonna say it's Yavin three. What the hell is a Yavin three? Well, isn't Yavin four the planet? Or I, thought no, was the fourth moon. I thought it was the fourth moon of Yavin. Uh, like, like I could click this button and find out. Let's see here. Let's see. Who, who wins this penny bet? Yavin 4 is referring to the Yavin system. Planet Yavin. Yavin 4 uh, was the jungle-covered fourth moon in orbit of a red giant, red gas giant Yavin. So Yavin is the, is the planet. The sequential numbering is for each of the moons. Told you. Yeah, I think this is definitely. Um, it, it, uh, could be, it, it could just be in there for dramatic effect. Having according the to Legends so Canon, isn't that a contradiction? Legends Canon. This is Legends, so I can use Legends Canon to argue Legends stuff. Legends Canon was like on like shaky ground on a good day. Whatever it's saying that that Asajj Ventress went to Yavin Four. Well, I told you, Star Wars fans are not imaginative. They're just going to put that. It's it's a planet that looks like the one from A New Hope. They're not going to sit there and try to figure anything out. If you look at anything else, it's it's the the Yavin the planet is never that close to the moon. Again, it could be maybe it has a weird like planet like. Oh my lord! What if it has some super weird like egg shaped orbit? That's what I mean. It could it could have that, but 
I don't know. I, I would imagine that there's three other moons at the very least. It's probably a different one. What do I know? I'm just a nerd talking about Star Wars on a Thursday night. This is this is what we're arguing about right now. This is where it comes down to. This, this is the uh, the Zack and Zenger version of Forensic Files. Forget about like true crime. It'd be going through this series frame by frame, trying to discern how many clone troopers die. Do all of them die? Is it what moon of Yavin is it? Welcome to Zack and Zenger's Forensic Files, Star Wars Clone Wars edition. So, all right, uh, Zenger. Now, do you want to talk about the duel? Yes. I want to hear you describe this because there is no, outside of like a yell at the very end, there is no dialogue And whatsoever. it's great because of that. She faced off with him, dual lightsabers. He has a single lightsaber. They basically jump through the forest, clashing with each other, all Samurai Jack style for some reason, like the same person who did Samurai Jack did this show or something. I don't know. Anyways, but but yeah, it's, it's basically, I mean, it's, it's just a lightsaber. It's, I'm saying it's just a lightsaber fight, but it's it's got over-the-top moments where, like, he's using the force, she's using the force to, like, jump up into the trees. It's it's just over-the-top fun goodness that this show is all about. I never really noticed it until now. As you watch this, like, in the spring of 2004, you really never got to see Anakin perform this way. This is like, if you ever, if you're watching Star Wars in real time, you never got to see Anakin go, like, per- perform this way. Like, in Attack of the Clones, he has, like, what? His, like, two-minute-long duel with Count Dooku, and he loses. And we really don't see him ever... We see, again, obviously, Revenge of the Sith, he does some stuff, but that wouldn't be for another year or so. Man, there's some but crouching we- tiger, hidden dragon stuff in here, too. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely spy- inspired by um, foreign, an- uh, foreign animation, by uh, foreign films of that sort. It's it's got great choreography and it's weird to say that for an animated show, but they definitely it's it seems like there's a fight going on. Yeah, and but again, going back to what I was trying to say was that you never saw Anakin like go all out like this. In the the two thousand eight series, he did he did this a lot. But if you're watching this at the time, it was really cool seeing Anakin in a full on duel with somebody. This was this was a whole as you were sitting there watching this at the time, you had never seen anything like this before. See Anakin duel another force wielder, and he was able to hold his own. Never mind beater. Now we get to where the thunderstorm starts, and it starts raining. Yeah, and somebody they did lo- mention in the um, commentary and everything that the whole water on the lightsaber thing was something they they were really excited about doing, and they thought it was a really cool effect, and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, yes, I agree because it's freaking awesome. I'm trying to think in Star Wars. The only time I, I can remember water hitting a lightsaber is both Attack of the Clones and in Last Jedi. And I know in Attack of the Clones, the lightsaber really doesn't do much with the rain. But does it does it sizzle in The Last Jedi? I mean, why wouldn't it? It'd be like lazy, like, if they didn't do that. Well, Lucas wouldn't have cared for Attack of the Clones. But I'm, I don't know if Ryan Johnson would have, would have uh, gotten into that. Someone go back and listen to The Last Jedi and hear if there's any sizzling in the... Uh... John Justice, if you're listening, please tell us... You've seen the film, I think, 800 times at this point. Please let us know if there is any sizzling to raise lightsaber when she's on Octo fighting Luke. <laughs> That's another thing I'd love to see in a Star Wars movie. A duel in... Because we haven't seen a duel yet in the rain. We've seen a duel in the snow. 
We've seen duels everywhere else in throne rooms. But we've never seen a duel in the rain. So you know nope. what? That's that's some fertile ground. For I, I said the film. closest thing you get is in Attack the Clones, and yeah. Uh, one day we're going to do a, a Clockwork Orange Lou Vico treatment on Zenger and make him watch Attack of the Clones enough that he loves it. <laughs> we're going to do that. We're going to make him love. We're going to make you love this film, Zenger. Getting to the next part, they're fighting inside this temple. They're throwing crap at each other. More great fighting and everything. But I think she just. I think she does a force push and he literally like puts his shoulder down and football moves his way through the force push yes he does that is a that sweet is i don't know how i ever didn't notice that oh i oh i've always noticed i love that i love the idea I know oh she also push. they also both did the speed move the force dash force dash okay yeah they actually do it a few times in this i would imagine when they worked on this all they had for reference was the phantom minutes they did. I mean, they, they point that out. They don't have that. Oh, and then there's that cool scene where he's got the red lightsaber beside his face. Yeah, and you can tell he's like, I'm mean business now. He's, he's embracing the dark side. No, he's embracing his hatred, which is embracing the dark side. Fear. And then they fight with both red lightsabers. Now he's striking her. And then it's really cool because it flashes to different faces like Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Yoda. And that keeps flashing and then she falls. Presumably to the, to her death, but if you want my theory, she doesn't die there. It picks up with the Clone Wars series that we keep making fun of later. Yes, the Clone Wars. Until Clone Wars saved. Until Clone Wars saved comes out, I am counting as my personal canon as this series takes place at the beginning, right before the first Clone Wars movie. I mean, before the Clone Wars movie and series, and then picks up after it ends even though I contradict myself immediately with a lot of those statements. So, yes. Well, I think the 2008 series is supposed to pick up four months after the Battle of Geonosis. So they they could work this in if they wanted. Yeah. They they, they, could. No, they could have, because for a while there, they didn't have an ending. So it's like this could have technically taken place right there. Well, I'm not talking about the whole series. I mean, like, the first 20 episodes. No, the whole series still could have worked until recently. Yeah, but I don't know. We'll get into that in the in the third part of this. Yeah. Okay. Well, that'll be a major uh, talking point. So, um, yelling point gonna... probably. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Uh, chapters seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen. It's a cool fight. It's a cool fight. There's really not like I, we we can just discuss the choreography, but that that gets boring after a while. I'm good. Mark's good. Everyone, so All we right. can move on. Now we move on to chapter twenty which might be my favorite combined with the very beginning of chapter 21, which we'll get into uh, two weeks from now. 
We begin with, we're back on Munilist. We see a bunch of droids, the Wolfman Jedi, who has yeah! a, I like just calling him the Wolfman Jedi, fighting the battle droids. Banking clan has surrendered. The day is ours. The Republic is victorious. We see arguably the greatest shot in any Star Wars media ever of a Wolfman Jedi with a lightsaber shaking his fist in the air in victory. How that isn't just the, the hallmark image for all Star Wars ever since it's been out there. I have no idea why. Uh, this, this is another example of this show doesn't get the credit it deserves. While uh, Obi-Wan is cleaning up the mess, of the I guess the aftermath of the Battle of Munilist, we, I, I don't know if Zenger sort of picked up on this. As Obi-Wan's watching all the like captured banking clan people, we see like one Nemoidian. Yep, I saw that. Being, and he's holding the other guy's like, what, jacket? Or he's like holding the back of like his, his, his outfit? Uh, let me see real quick. I didn't notice him holding it. I didn't it. notice it either until today. He is holding the back of his jacket. Why? <laughs> Yeah, the handcuffs. You just got to hold the back of his jacket. And um, after that happens, we see Obi-Wan. Again, all the Republic troops are organizing to get back on their capital ships. And while that's happening, we see the Asajj Venture uh, ship. You, you, you missed something. You have a ton of capital ships and stuff taken off and not in space. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Got to point that it is. out. So, Zenger, I have, to, I have to ask a question, though. In Attack of the Clones, one of the very last shots no, no, is a no, bunch of capital no, ships no, leaving, no, le- leaving Coruscant. Doesn't work. No? Doesn't work. The only Why doesn't it doesn't work? Because it's in that movie. And I mean, if you want to give me some credit here, at least it's at the end of the movie. So. All right, Zenger. At least I know the credits are soon. <laughs> Captain Fordo wants to fire upon it, and Obi Wan tells him no. Anakin lands. It's worth pointing out that. Anakin like hot literally like jumps out of the ship. He just like straight up jumps. Then get out of it. He like leaps out of it. General Kenobi, a ship is approaching that matches the one Commander Skywalker followed into hyperspace. I have batteries standing by. Hold your fire, Captain. was a trap laid out by the Sith, and I ran headlong into it. But I emerged victorious. Indeed. But that battle should never have been fought. I find the Sith's interest in you most troublesome. This is precisely why you must follow my orders, young one. Another defiance could lead us into a danger. And then Wall, in the midst of him saying all this, he is interrupted by Master Barak, with arguably one of my favorite lines of dialogue or just lines in all of Star Wars. General Kenobi! General Kenobi! Yes, Master Beric. Need immediate evac from planet Harpori. Our forces are totally destroyed. Only... only a few of us left. New droid general. He's unstoppable. Can't hold out for long. General Gwyneth is hunting us. Must hurry! Master Beric, come in. Come in. Master Beric, come in! 
and Obi-Wan's obviously watching him, like, fighting off droids. We don't know what he's fighting off. He's, he's deflecting some sort of blaster fire as he's telling Obi-Wan what happened during, I guess, the Battle of Hypori. While Master Barrack is telling this message, the, his, oh my god, the, can you, what's it called? Um, Comlink is, not Comlink, what, what do we call this? Because I know in the Phantom Menace they have Comlinks. What, what is this called? Like the... Hollow... Hollow, hollow communicator? Holodeck? Holodeck? Holodeck, sure. Yeah, sure. Holodeck, Why not? Star Trek? Yes, it is. It was Whatever. White Ho- hollow communicator. It's he's he's obviously he gets knocked out of his hands and is stepped on by this mysterious. Oh no! There, there's a great thing if you watch his um his his Holodeck. um yeah you see, you see um arm. see an arm. arm yeah last second yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I never again I didn't notice that again until today I was really paying attention to it and. We go all and so we go. We call, he goes, Master Barrack, Master Barrack, come in. And then we see the giant foot stomp the uh, the image, the hologram image of Obi Wan Kenobi. Then we see a bunch of B two uh, battle droids like walking a bunch a bunch of wreckage of the capital Republic ship, uh, capital Republic ships, and they're all firing on this one down one. They are completely surrounded. Think like ants. You have this one down capital ship. And then a mysterious again, once again, a mysterious hand shows up. This four-fingered hand shows up and has the droids come to a halt. And then we see the outside, the exterior of this capital ship, and we see this white cloaked figure standing in front of this the hordes of battle droids. We see like this shadowy figure kind of running amongst all the wreckage of the capital ships that are like smoldering and on fire. And we see a bunch of just different shadows of Jedi just running to and from. And the first Jedi we actually see is Kiati Mundi. And they all run to like a centralized point in this wreckage. Why have they stopped? Master? Go, go. Where, I, I don't know, again, Zanger can probably say it as he looks it up. We have Kiani Mundi, we have Shock T, we have Ayla Secura, and we have three other Jedi whose names. I only know one of the other Jedi. I do not know the two other ones. Zanger, do you know the other two Jedi are? Shagai and well, that's the, that's the best one. We'll have to get into him later. Kurakura, the one with the long like horse face. What's the guy's name? Tarashiri. Who is the Padawan? Oh, Tarashiri. Tell Mark who is the name of the Padawan. Shagai, 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 or Shaggy. Oh my God, the Shaggy Jedi. After the Wolfman Jedi, the second greatest character in the history of Star Wars. Quick note before I forget it, for some reason. Uh, originally, this was going to be like on a mountain. But oh. when they were drawing it, they noticed it looked like a down Star Destroyer or capital ship. So then they just changed it to being a field of basically destroyed capital ships and stuff. Oh, interesting. I, mean, I got to check out that commentary. Content. Yeah. They're all kind of sitting there. They're out of breath, huffing and puffing. Unstoppable. He is unstoppable. 
Never have we been outmaneuvered by droids. His strategy is without flaw. This is the end. We're all doomed. Our predicament is dire. But do not despair. Focus. We are Jedi. Jedi. At this point, we are now introduced to General Grievous. You are surrounded. Your army is decimated. Make peace with the laws now. For this is your final hour. But know that I, General Grievous, am not completely without mercy. I will grant you a warrior's death. Prepare. This is the first time we've actually heard General Grievous's name. At this point, I don't think... I, 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 to be fair, I did not have my ear to the ground with Star Wars announcements. This stuff. was the big, like, this was it. Did people know about this beforehand, though? Like, was this, like, something that was, like, rumored to be coming? Or was this, like, a complete shock to some people? I think it was a complete shock. It was, like, a, wait, what? Because they, they talk about in the commentary a little bit how they were, like, given, like, the vaguest amount of stuff to work with for this part because they knew what they wanted but they didn't have it fleshed out yet well i know that much now that you mentioned i think i might i might have listened to the commentary a while ago because that rings a bell but because this was this aired during the spring of 2004 so the movie was only a year away from coming out so i would imagine word had to have gotten out about i could not say like, obviously there was no marketing at this point but there, there had to be some word about who grievous was if if you're if you were an adult during the prequel era, please let us know if, if Grievous was like an like not that he was a major thing, but like if you were a hardcore fan, were you aware of Grievous during two thousand four? For the sake of argument, let's assume that this was the first this this was the first genuine reveal of General Grievous. We hear him talking, he says all these things, the Jedi ignite their lightsabers and go to their respective corners, and then we hear mechanized footsteps. As Grievous approaches their last stand. Yeah. And as it gets closer and closer to them, it drives the Shaggy Jedi to a point. I can't see anything. That noise. He is coming alone. We can't face him! We must try, Padawan. It's close, but where? It's all around us! Calm yourself. Steady. And also to point this out from the commentary, they do point out that they had him looking even more shaggy like originally. <laughs> Did they really? Yes. Apparently the original design was much more shaggy like and they also had him sound more shaggy like too. <laughs> but they decided to ease it up a little bit. And you know what the best part is? is that he looks so spot on like Shaggy. Like, like, how do you make it? Like, how is he more looking like? He even has the little like facial like hair. Like, I don't, I don't know either. But it's just, I'm pretty sure that's pointed out in the commentary at one point. Maybe he was just wearing at that point. He was just wearing like a, like a green T-shirt and like brown slacks. 
And maybe instead of like, do you think they originally they wanted to give him the 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 phrase zoinks? That's you took the words right out of my mouth, Mark. Instead of him having like that like war cry, I figured it would have been zoinks, Scoob! and then like he just just like runs out and then he gets like stomped to death. The, the thing that gets me is the one: how much more could he have looked like? I guess they took. I guess they added the little um, Padawan tassel for him. Yeah, and the sound thing. I'm like, I'm like that. That that would have been too on the nose. I feel. But right now it's too on the nose. <laughs> so like, how do you get more on the nose than on the nose? Cross the bridge of the nose, maybe. Like poke maybe. someone in the eye by accident. <laughs> I don't know though, because like it's so incredibly like, like I don't know. Like it's like when Zenger said that, it's like I don't know how. how like, they even called him Shaggy. They just put like an apostrophe in there and took out the Y. It's great though. It's great, and the best part of this whole thing is that he goes running out there in general. And think about it, our introduction to General Grievous is that he stomps a character to death. No, not st- just lands on them and kills them instantly. Like it's not like he's sitting there stepping on them. He just lands one like, shot perfectly. It's just he's he's I, again. I don't think landing on him is a strong enough term. Like I, I know. I guess stomping. Repeats, like I, I guess, is a repeated thing that that. that but like he, he literally just he stomps him into nothing. Like he just lands on him. It's much like how we were debating the the helmet of the clone trooper during the Ventress part. But like he literally just on one motion just stomps him flat. Like we yep. don't see we don't see the shaggy jack. He just stomps nope. him. He just lands on him and then stands up and just and just opens up like a freaking can of whoop ass on these jedi well he oh because again this is the brilliance of this show i don't i don't want to take anything away from lucas but how grievous okay before we get into that uh let's finish just describing this and then we'll get into grievous and all this is grievous then oh after he stomps the shaggy jedi to death he opens like he like He's like at that point. He's like cloaked. Like all you see is like his head, and he's completely just covered in his cloak. He then opens up his like entire. Like Zenger said, he opens up his entire body. His chest, like cavity, like opens up. His like I don't even know. His legs open up. Like his like thighs open up. Like it's really I. I Zenger, can you describe it? They ba- basically, like, it seems like all of his mechanical parts on him, like, shift to where it makes him look bigger and more imposing. Yeah, yeah, good. Well, well put, well put. And we see also he has four lightsabers around, like, I don't even want to call it a belt. He has, like, four around his waist. And, and Kiati Mundi says, stay back. He leaps back up. At, he kind of retreats. He leaps back up into the air. And all the remaining five Jedi now, like, Oh God! Close ranks and like go into like a circle, and we see Grievous is is they're slowly backing up, and the camera just pans into like the middle of the room. We see Grievous is just hanging from the ceiling by his feet, and we see him slowly Batman take out, style. Batman style. He slowly takes out two. We see him pull out two lightsabers as he lets he pulls one of his toe feet out of like his. Uh, uh, out of the ceiling and he slowly drops into the middle of the five Jedi and he lands again much like how he crushed the shaggy Jedi he crushes like the ground 
and he starts literally facing off against five Jedi as he just spins his, he rotates his torso probably like what? Oh God, like, like a hundred, ro- oh God, it has to be like what, thousands of rotations yeah. a minute as he faces off against all of them at the same time. While this is happening, he, he like he's able to bat a few of them away at any given moment, and then he oh my lord, is this so oh god, this is my favorite moments ever. He and he, he, he one v ones a few of them, bro, and they do not get out well in that scenario. He'll start targeting just one of them until he overwhelms them until point like he forces them backwards, he slams the one guy straight into the ground, grabs one chick, and tosses them both into the ceiling. Well, no, you you didn't even get to the part where he literally like. Before they even get to that, and he's just facing off them, he'll switch fighting between his arms and his legs. Like, he'll be fighting with his two lightsabers with his arms. And then he'll go back, then he'll go, like, using his legs, but using his hands to stand on as he fights them. This is all done with, like, a, a far-out shot where we see, like, all these, again, the Jedi just constantly not knowing how to deal with him. And then Kiati like, tries, like, goes backwards... And tries to like, uh, what's the word? Like, not force push, but like force push him into the ground. Grievous somehow senses it, like jumps, dodges like it. The, dodges it, goes to like a far end of the wall, kind of sits there and like, like takes like a, like a two second pause as he like eyes the situation and then lunges at the group of the five Jedi. He then in the dust cloud, the Jedi kind of looks like Zenger, like with a horse face. He kind of goes after him. Well, the horse face Jedi is kind of like his his eye vision's impaired by all the dust. He then um, strikes him down. Even though in Legends it was stated that he did survive that fight, the horse face Jedi did survive according to Legends because he was able to put himself in some sort of like weird like catatonic coma esque state. <laughs> by what? Getting sliced in half? I don't know. I, I remember in canon reading that that he survived. He survived that fight, and while uh, that is back checking Zinger on the way. And then, and then while that's happening, Shock T is throws some debris at him. Grievous, with no effort, just slices and dices all the debris away. And then the Jedi, with like the weird like wrapping around his head, and I think Zinger already kind of hinted at this. He picks him up with his feet, grabs him by the head with his feet, slams him, slams his head into the ground. And then Ala Secura comes up and kind of like lunges at Grievous. And he like does this like this kind of like twirl movement where he he, he did survive. How the okay? <laughs> Told you, it's legends, man. There was no rules in legends. Everybody everybody made up the rules as they went along in legends. And he picks up with the, the one Jedi still on his feet. He picks up Ayla as she lunges and just flings them like over his shoulder into like the rubble. And at that point, Grievous starts spinning each lightsaber with each hand, and he's able to deflect everything from Shock T and Kiati. He then kicks Kiati into some more rubble, and he starts to target just Shock T. Shock T starts yelling for Kiati as we see Grievous is just, just straight up overwhelming her. Hurry! And something happens where I've never been able to understand. Maybe Zenger can shed some light on it for Ooh, me. Ooh, I actually have an answer for this. Okay. He's fighting Shock T, 
and she loses her lightsaber. But he kind of like stops his lightsaber, and she kind of just gets she like bounces. Force off of pushes. It. Is that it. what it is? Yes, that is apparently. I think it's mentioned in the commentary that she uses a force push to basically fling herself back from it. the blade. Yeah. All right. And it so kind of like stop. They both like her pushing against the lightsaber, the lightsaber swinging, it just basically blast her back. So it's kind of like she kind of creates like a force buffer. Yeah. And so she gets forced back into the rubble. Uh, Kiati goes. No, Chakti. Grievous turns back to the face him. We see it. We get a close up of General Grievous's eye, which is all like it's very cat. It's also we didn't bring up, but Grievous is very cat like in this. Yes. His, his 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 mask design. And at the time, we didn't even think, at the time when this aired, nobody knew if this was a mask. He was just General Grievous. He had no idea. Again, we'll get into the, the thoughts on Grievous in a moment. I think they said something about he's a new droid commander, and that's about it. Yes, this new droid commander, he's unstoppable. That's with the whole Master Barrack stuff. We get a close-up of Grievous's, like eye. It's all dirty, and it's very reminiscent of the shot we get in Revenge of the Sith, where he turns around to Obi-Wan Kenobi and goes, Arm your not. You must realize you are doomed. It's very reminiscent of that shot. And I would admit maybe they even got a look at that shot, and that's what they're basing this off, because it's a, it's a very close-up of his dirty, grimy eye. And Kiati goes goes to grab the uh, Shakti's lightsaber that's on the ground as he's about to force pull it toward him. And maybe the coolest moment ever in Star Wars, Grievous picks up the lightsaber with his foot and starts to balance on one foot as he wields three lightsabers as he tries to keep his balance, yet still looking it looking as intimidating as hell at Kiati. Kiati being like completely baffled by this. I mean, like this this sheer shock. Actually, I got a freeze frame on his face at that exact moment. It's pretty priceless it, to be my it, like background. It's gonna be Zenger's new avatar on Twitter and on Facebook and on um, every platform Zenger's on social media. And so he has this, this sheer look of shock on his face, and he go and and yet being as resourceful as he is, he grab he pulls a lightsaber from Grievous's belt. And Grievous is still, we cut back to Grievous, and he's still trying to, like, balance having three lightsabers. You know, I, I keep saying that he's trying. He's pulling it off extremely well. And no, the only reason he's, like, moving and swaying is just because he's like, I got this. He's just like, come at me, bro. One, oh, yeah, he's trying to balance He, he once life. again is going, 1v1 one, me, bro, because you just 5v1 me, and we all saw how that ended. And so we cut back to Kiati. He kind of, like, is eyeing his ground footing. And we cut back as he's sweating, and we see Grievous kind of do a kickoff with his foot, and we get a a, a wide, a, like a Dutch angle wide Smash shot. cut too. Well, no. And then we see Grievous oh. literally lunging at Kiati with three of with the three lightsabers, and then Zenger was it do? Smash cut too. Yoda opening his eyes and going, mm. "Darker, the coming storm grows. I fear the dark cloud of the Sith shrouds us all." This is probably my favorite. I, I, I can't describe. Okay, let me describe how I was introduced to this. 
I can still remember where I was when I saw this. The context behind it is again spring 2004. I guess I forgot. We were somewhere. It was like a Friday night. I remember my parents took my nephew and I out. To, we were out to dinner somewhere. And so this was air at eight o'clock. We were at some like, we were driving back from some restaurant. And it was like, I think like 7.55. And I'm like, we have to get home. The last episode of Star Wars, The Clone Wars is on. And we like raced home. And I came home right during the part as Grievous. I think it was during the fight where Grievous was already like, just like, like doing a thing where he was like, um, what's the word fighting with his feet that's where we kind of came so i had no idea what was happening because this episode this chapter everything after the obi-wan and anakin part on unilist had nothing real it was not connected at all to the rest of the series so i came into this i'm like what is going on here and i'm watching this i'm like what and it obviously it ends the way and plus it was just it was mind-blowing to me like what was going on and you have like this character you have this really weird look at that point i didn't know what the character's name was and so I'm like, who is this character? And I just, I mean, plus, I, this was back, they did re-air things. So I don't, I don't think it re-aired again to maybe a few days later. And I remember, because I didn't know, I wanted to catch what happened. Because all I remembered was that, again, Anakin beat Asajj Ventress. So I think whenever it re-aired, I looked up in like TV Guide or wherever it was. And I think I had every single VCR in the house set to record this, just so I didn't miss it next time it re-aired. I remember being a little 11 year old me was just blown away by this. The idea of having. Well, golly gee willikers, you guys, this was intense. Did anyone else watch this? I was, yes. I sounded just like Mickey Mouse at 11 years old, too. (laughs) Having the idea of having five Jedi against one character. And at that point, I I had action figures for Ayla. No, yeah, Ayla Secura, uh, Kiati Mundi, Shakti. I had all the action figures. Questionable at this point. Maybe dead. We'll find out. All your toys that are now either dead or questionable at the time that we are leaving this off at. Yes. And so I was just, again, it's like, I, I, I knew these characters. Like I had like, like like the visual dictionaries for all the, for Attack of the Clones. So I was like, I, I was invested in these characters. And I'm like, it was just the coolest flipping thing ever. And at the time, there weren't supposed to be any new episodes. So you really, it was a genuine cliffhanger. It was like, who is this General Grievous? What role was he to play in things? Because, again, going back to little 11-year-old May, like, there was not Star Wars, you know, it's not like now where we have six books, 15 comics, three TV shows. Like, we did have Star Wars media. I remember I played the 2003 game, The Clone Wars, the, that had nothing to do with any, any series, where the whole plot of that was Count Dooku in the Dark Reaper project. So, like, if you were a kid watching this, you had no idea what was going to, like, again, I didn't know, was the Dark Reaper going to be in Revenge of the Sith? Like, was Grievous going to be there? Because Grievous seemed like this thing that was just so uncharacteristically like Star Wars. He was just this, un- he was much how he joked about Mace Windu in his segments. Grievous was just this un- truly unstoppable force that was able to stop Jedi. He was, I think it was the first and only time, not that I was scared, but I found a Star Wars character genuinely intimidating. Like, I know a lot of people talk about when they were kids and they watched the original Star Wars, and when Vader walks on to the Tantive V4, that was, like, an intimidating moment. Like, that was, like, Vader was a scary character. For me, my, my moment of, the, of that, I guess, was Grievous in this. Grievous was a genuinely scary character. That was, he wasn't funny. He wasn't a bumbling idiot. He wasn't, like, a, he wasn't, like, oh, God, like, like Dirge. Where Dirge was kind of like this, I don't want to say supernatural, but kind of like this... How would you describe uh, Dirge Zanger? 
he's a formidable dead. individual that like just basically once he's there like he was a presence yeah, like it, it, it was like he was surrounded by like these soldiers and stuff that could do a great job, but it's like he didn't need them. Like that, that's I okay. There, I think I just hit the nail on the head. It's like he, it's he is like the equal to what the Jedi are. He is somebody who didn't need an army with him. He was like his own one man army, whereas Grievous was the same thing. He was somebody who just. I know I keep using this as a joke, but he straight up could be like 1v1 me, bro. And it was just, or he didn't even, he could be like 5v1 me, bro. And he could just handle everything. Well, but I, I'm going to disagree. Dirge, Dirge is like basically like a bounty hunter. Dirge can, Dirge probably won't win a one-on-one fight with a Jedi, but he could probably could walk away from it. He'll, he'll like, if he's, if he's sent, if he has to face a Jedi, he won't die, but he, chances are he won't walk away with what his goal was. Where Grievous was, the, I think, the, again, was really the first time in my experience with Star Wars, and I think for Star Wars at large up until that point, where the Jedi were thoroughly and decisively beaten. And the, the thing was that it was five of them, well, technically at one point it was six of them against one, but you had all these characters, and they were overwhelmed immediately by this. Like, never mind the fact that it's just Grievous, their entire fleet is wiped out by him. We never seen that before. Like even like an Attack of the Clones, outside of a handful of maybe like what one or two Jedi are killed that we see in Attack of the Clones, but and they were kind of just like no name, faceless Jedi. They were like characters we never seen before. These were characters that were in the film that were got their got their butts handed to them by Grievous. This character that we had no background for. Like now, like we joke, but. Like if Lucasfilm, again, we know like for Star Wars Resistance, we know who the villains are going to be for that. Like everything is hyped up. Everything is is the hype machine. Like going into Star Wars Rebels, we knew who the Inquisitor was. We knew their, you know, we don't not a huge backstory, but they knew, but we knew they were Jedi hunters. Kylo Ren, we knew Kylo Ren was this new villain that was out in the field. Like, and we know, oh, he's the he's the apprentice of this so and so. This though, we're like we kind of just knew what his shtick was. Grievous was this wholly new creature that we just, again. After watching what he does for like two minutes in this, it's like, wow, what can't this guy do? And I don't think we've ever gotten this before, and we've never gotten it since. True. And now we'll get into the part about like what happened to Grievous, though. And I remember being, and even though Grievous in chapters 21 through 25 is much more like chapter 20 Grievous, but by the time you get to Revenge of the Sith, he's a bumbling idiot. I really cannot think of a greater character discrepancy from one medium to another in Star Wars than Grievous. Well, it gets from- even worse when he goes from um, Revenge of the Sith to the newer Clone Wars series. Yeah. Like, it's it's even worse. And I know there are moments, like, later in the series where he has, like, these, like, where he goes and kills all the Night Sisters and does all this other crazy, brutal stuff, but it's just, compared to who he, quote-unquote, was, it's night and day. Yeah, like again, like Zenger brought up. You have like the Night Sister stuff, like the stuff that he does with the Gungans. He's he's brutal, but he's he's mustache he's mustache twirling brutal. He's not like there's something very, again. He's very cat like in this. He he he's very unsettling to a certain degree. He kills he's, Captain Tarple. So. <laughs> and Mark Mark likes that. Captain Tarple deserved a funeral. Forget Han Solo. Captain Tarbos deserved a funeral. But I don't think, again, you don't ever get that again. Like, he's brutal in this, but it's a much more 
choreographed, beautiful, like uh, brutal. In that mm. he's everything he's doing, like every swing of his lightsaber, every move he makes in this is is planned out. In Clone in the Clone Wars two thousand eight, he just swings his lightsaber, and just murders people. Like the only time they tr- even tried to make Grievous a little spooky again was I think it was in the first season of the Clone Wars. Where Kit Fisto and like yeah, like, that's that's like the only other time I can think of is what's that. it called? Lair of Grievous, where they go to like his like, like that's not a weird thing that was brought up in that show that never was discussed. Like Grievous had like a castle or like a lair somewhere. Sure, Vader does too. Well, that's what I mean though. So it was like, and, and, and I don't think it's ever brought up again in that series. It's just it's there for like one or two episodes, and it's like oh, okay. Even in that episode, they do a pretty good job of of damaging him. He has to go and get like replacement parts because he has like that weird droid that like helps him rebuild himself. In this, he's able to face off against the Jedi, and he's he hasn't. That's another thing too. He doesn't get a scratch on him. He is fully in command of, his, of, of all of his abilities in this. And Lucas just again, I, I would imagine because I know there's that infamous behind the scenes thing for Revenge of the Sith where Lucas is like going around, like, he's getting like all the concept art for like what Grievous could or could not be. And like one of them's like like the Magna Guard, another one's something like this, and then one of them's like like a little boy in a chair, like being flanked by two guards. And Lucas is like, "Oh, someone here must be a parent. A child's the villain." Gotta be kind of careful that we don't recreate Darth Vader here, since he sort of shows up at the end of the movie. Although the ultimate <laughs> scary guy. A kid. He's a video Is somebody a parent? <laughs> the ones I like the most. I like these one and these one. And I could like these if we went with droid. Some of this gets a little devilish. Mm-hmm. So it, it's got to be threatening. It's got to be something. It, I don't want it to be Darth Vader like. I don't, you know. This at least, you really know it's a droid. Mm-hmm. Do you want to see more, or do you want to well, develop these? Well, well, you have chance to develop these. Well, you can see some more. If anybody's got any ideas, I've always opened ideas. Okay. The last minute, that I had one little sketch I had started before for an idea for the droid general. We had a little bit of time yet, so I just finished markering it up, and I handed it over to Ryan Mendoza. And sure enough, like during the meeting, George went straight to that one and said, this is the one. This guy, with this has human eyes, or not human, but animal eyes that you know, would move around, you actually get to see the whites and get to see this, an actually organic thing which might be really ugly. I came up with the idea of General Grievous as a leader of the droid armies. He's kind of a, a little bit of an alien in a droid shell, which is sort of an echo of what Anakin is going to become. Warren's actually made the icon from this film. But you don't know what it means, and I kept telling him, remember what that felt like, because you're going to be telling that story for the rest of your life. Like Zinger said, they probably got the very basic of notes about Grievous. They probably got a—I know there's that one piece of Grievous concept art of what he would turn out to be. They probably got that along with intimidating character that can kill Je- has the power to kill Jedi, and that's that's probably all they had. And they took it from there. Like again, I think a major theme of this show, and I and I think this chapters tw- one through twenty are their own thing because twenty one versus twenty five did come in a later point. They were not produced in the same time frame as the first twenty were. And I think there is a noticeable step down in in I don't want to say quality, but in, at least in my enjoyment of the show. The, the the first the first twenty are the best. The, the, the latter five are good, but they're not great. 
And and I think something is definitely lost with Grievous. Like a lot of people complain. But I remember I had a professor in college who who complains about the fact how the prequels ruined his childhood because they made Vader less intimidating, knowing that he was a whiny teenager. Even though I still don't agree with that, I again I think what Lucas ended up doing with Grievous was the same thing. I remember being so excited to see General Grievous in Revenge of the Sith during May of two thousand five. Because I really wanted this, this intimidating character, and then we see him, and he's just again, he, he's not only he's not as much as a bumbling idiot in that as he is in the Clone Wars, but he's he's very underwhelming. He, he's a coward. Like the Grievous yeah. in Clone Wars would never run for a fight. Because even in chapter, not to jump ahead a little bit though, but at the end of chap, his part in chapter twenty one, he goes, "We call it run, Jedi. You've only prolonged the inevitable." Like he only ends that fight because the Jedi leave. Like he keep going after that gunship if it stayed around, and yet in Revenge of the Sith, he's again Obi Wan and Anakin like have him like cornered, and he breaks a window and runs away, and that's and that's it again. That's another one where I think again going back to Lucas's uh, jealousy and envy of this show, I think Tartakovsky made a better villain than Lucas could ever could have dreamed of. And I, there is some stuff that I've heard with um, the release of Hotel Transylvania three in the last few weeks. There has been some uh, a lot of talk about Tartakovsky and his career, and I guess things now are coming out about his involvement with Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. If you, um, if any of our listeners out there uh, like or know, we've had him on the podcast, Jim Hill. Listen to his podcast. I think he's changed the name, but if you type Jim Hill into uh, any sort of the podcast catchers and look up one of his latest episodes called Fine Tuning, where he just talks about Hotel Transylvania three. He does some. They talk a little bit about um, Clone Wars and his involvement. Again, a lot of people. Again, Tartakovsky is known mostly for Samur- Dexter's Laboratory, Samurai Jack, Clone Wars, and the Hotel Transylvania series. I think it's around. If you listen to one of the episodes of Fine Tuning with Jim Hill, I think it's around the twenty-eight minute mark. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Go listen to that because there is some interesting information brought up about Tartakovsky and his involvement. I did with Lucas not Fett. know he directed the Hotel Transylvania stuff. Yep. I guess it's why yeah, I vaguely enjoy it. There's some interesting stories about his involvement with that series. Another podcast, we're going to keep shilling for podcasts that don't need our help. Um, if you listen to uh, Bl- the Blank Check podcast with uh, Griffin and David, they're l- one of their latest episodes about the Hotel, Hotel Transylvania trilogy. They get into some of this. If you want some more history on Tartakovsky, go listen to their episode on the Hotel Transylvania trilogy. Like I said, General Grievous, uh, I love this. This is this is the Clone War. This is Star Wars apps at its absolute finest. This is my favorite. This this chapter with Grievous and the beginning of Chapter Twenty One are my favorite pieces of Star Wars media ever. Better than any movie. If I could get like the seven minutes of this show put on the big screen, I would. Uh, I, I I if I could get that like an IMAX just blown up, I know it probably wouldn't look very good, but with the sound, I would lose my mind. Pure Star Wars bliss, folks. This is that's what Star Star Wars Nirvana looks like. Chapter twenty and twenty one of Star Wars Clone Wars. I, I know there's a ton of hubbub about a lot of stuff with Gre- like the one Jedi freaking out and everything, which I don't have a problem with. Apparently, Lucas hated that. I know, and I wanted to say I don't have a problem with it because I guess the argument is supposed to be that you know Jedi were getting kind of pushed out quicker. They weren't really going through a lot of the training proper training plus i mean i don't know i just i find it believable that that someone could break no matter who could yeah. break under something like that what i think so. is interesting though is that like lucas will sit there take like return of the jedi and like swap out sebastian shaw with hayden christensen 
yet Dendi Tartatovsky making a Jedi that looks like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo and having him be scared. And yet all that, Lucas is like, I don't like the idea of a Jedi being scared. Like, I, I think it. I'm thinkable. Like, that's what I mean, though. Like, I have all the things that, like, Lucas would change about Star Wars. It truly makes the other Jedi seem like how much more, you know, powerful and how much more, you know, better they can. Yeah, yeah, composed they can become. I mean, think about it. Like, if it was, like, one of the higher rank, like, like if it was Moondi losing it, then, then, yeah, that'd be different. But it wasn't. It was a Padawan that... It looked like I Shaggy mean, from Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I mean, but the other funny thing is there is that one moment where you see um, where, where, where you see Moondi sort of kind of where it gets that up close of his eyes. And you see him look down for a second, then look up. It's like he he's even like, can I do this? And that's the thing. That's that that's where Grievous, Grievous was like a walking or at least what he was presented as and what he should have been portrayed as for the most part was this walking anti Jedi machine of just fear and everything else. Like he, he knew how to fight them through. Like, I mean, he was obviously a very skilled duelist, but at the same time, he couldn't use the force and stuff like that. So he had to compensate by being able to make them question everything. And I don't think there's ever been a villain in star Wars like that before, or at the very least in any sort of visual medium. I, I love love this version of Grievous and what we get later too in the second yeah. half of this. Yeah, because he definitely he, he's he's still intimidating in chapters twenty one through twenty five, but I still don't think he's this on because he is beaten a couple of times. Because at that point they know again, Shock T's involved. She knows what she's getting involved with 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 him. Where this there is that just that mystery of like again, much like how the the five Jedi are overwhelmed, the audience is too because you're you, at this point you think about it, we've seen uh, the original trilogy, we've seen Phantom Menace, we've seen Attack of the Clones, we've played handful of Star Wars games where the good Jedi usually come out on top against the bad Jedi. Like, whether even, like, you have something like Attack of the Clones, where even though Anakin and Obi-Wan are defeated, Yoda kind of beats Dooku back. And it's only through, like, an act of cowardice by trying to pull the giant, uh, what would you call it, the giant thingy onto Obi-Wan The thingamabob. Thingamabob onto Obi-Wan Anakin, Yoda has to stop. Yeah, who's what's it? And like you have that though, like all the characters again are are comical and they're not comical, but they're coward. They're cowardly. Most of the villains, like, except for Vader. Even Darth Maul, I don't think was ever. When people watch the Phantom Menace, I don't think anybody was ever truly intimidated by Darth Maul. Uh, yeah. Darth Maul was cool. He was never intimidating. Yeah, I, I mean, he was vaguely intimidating. A fact of you never got to see what he could really do, but. But you think it, but again, like. It wasn't like the most imposing thing I've ever seen. It was just sort of like a he's there. Exactly. Like, like Maul's biggest thing was, like, again, people joke about the fact, and this is, again, another Red Letter Media thing, was that Maul's biggest character attribute in the films, and we're excluding Solo right now, was that he had double-bladed lightsaber. That was his character. He was a character with a double-bladed lightsaber, and it kind of began and ended there. And I look evil. Fear yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got horns coming out of his head. Oh, yeah. But I don't think he was ever... Are you fear me yet? Yeah. Like, but again, he never... I, I never feel that he was overwhelming to any of the characters in The Phantom Menace. Even with his, his part at the end with Obi-Wan in the uh, the generator complex. It's... We're grievous again. I, I don't know. Because I've never... This Clone Wars series was only really ever consumed by diehards. There never was a point where this was consumed by mass audiences. I don't know how a 
like if you have like a Star Wars fan that's that's casual, like like if you know someone who's a casual Star Wars fan and they have a very loose understanding of the series and you showed them this, I don't know if they would have the same reaction to Grievous as Zenger and I are having. Mark, if you're if you're I'm not, if you're not still in sleep mode, what's your thoughts on this? On Grievous? On this version or incarnation of Grievous? I mean, he's clearly overpowered. Wanted to make him out to be very kick ass and whatnot. And that's what they that's what I, you know, that's what we got. Um if I'm just looking at this Grievous in this series, uh you know, when I first saw um, you know, this twenty two thousand three Clone War series, um that was before I saw, you know, I saw, you know, Revenge and Sith. I thought, I was like, oh, this character's so badass. Look at the way he kicks. Look at the way he's kicking everyone's ass. Man, this guy is just unstoppable. I can't wait to see what he can do in Revenge of the Sith. And then, of course, we saw what we saw. I wasn't, you know, totally disappointed, but because I knew that he was going to be defeated in the Revenge of the Sith. That's something, you know, you know, just the way that the events would come down to. But um. Yeah, I, I'm kind of actually, I mean, I'm of the opinion that I prefer the Grievous from, um, you know, 2008 Clone Wars more so than this one because he's more uh, subdued. Um, yes, he still shows off as, you know, being powerful, but he's not like crazy powerful like here in the t- 2003. But if I'm just looking at, you know, kick ass factor, I, I do, I, I would choose this Grievous, the 2003 one. We didn't see, um, you know, as I was re-watching um, these uh, Clone Wars episodes before the recording, we didn't see Grievous doing the whole forearm thing yet. Um, There's multiple reasons for that. They did not know he was going to be able to do that to begin with. They basically had only a limited amount of kind of stuff to work with, so they had no clue he was going to be able to do the whole forearm thing. Also, there's another thing that this might be a different bodysuit model for him that, that that this model can do the forearm thing that the one he gets later is a much lighter and more um not durable but one that's able to do the the forearm split where this one could not gotcha i never heard that before that's what I've heard somewhere is that the the model we see later is a different model of his suit that he gets well, it's supposed I always, to be a little bit better for fighting Jedi, and that's why he's he goes instead of having to use his legs. That that's what he wanted to do was use his arms instead and get and have four of them. Uh, well, I, I always interpret it as like you said, they the animators didn't know. So well, that just, that too, but the it's it's the the animators didn't know, but the roundabout let's explain it in canon is that yeah. he got a different suit later on. That's why it's colored uh, different. That's why. It has some different features to it, and it looks different. So oh, uh, that makes right. sense. I mean, I you know what? It's one of those. I I understand the true reasoning, but the fun, you know, this is the reasoning. I I, I like it. I'm like, whatever. It it works. This is kind of like why wasn't Mon Mothma on Yavin Four during the attack on the Death Star? It's like, oh, she had to, she had to be evacuated. When in reality, it's like, oh, the character didn't exist yet when they were making the films. She just wasn't there at the time. She's in the bathroom. So, so someone, someone, someone jammed the door shut. She couldn't get out. C C three PO accidentally like got stuck in the door, even though he was randomly in the scenes later. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's, like I said, one last thing because I think we're kind of wrapping this up. 
Um, in the the what was it called? Catalyst, the the book Rogue One Catalyst that came out right before Rogue One. The Battle of Hypori is mentioned as being an overwhelming loss for the Republic. And I asked Pablo Hidalgo about this. Oh boy! Said, oh yeah, it, it's oh it's it, it's a perfect Pablo Hidalgo answer. I said Pablo. I, I, I always try to be nice to him, even though he. I guess I don't blame him for being snide though. But like, don't be snide to people who are, who are polite to you. And I said, like, I, I'm like, hi. In Rogue One Catalyst, it says the Battle of Hypori is mentioned. It's like, did did the events unfold like they did in the Clone War series and in typical snide fashion? Which I don't entirely blame him for. His response was, "I can tell you the Shaggy Jedi wasn't there." That was his response. Was I can tell you the Shaggy Jedi wasn't there. I take that as it all happened, I, I including the Shaggy Jedi. <laughs> That's what they're trying it, to mislead you on. Well, maybe. Think and about then, it. And then I, my follow-up question was to him: was like, oh, was was the Battle of Hypori the first time the Jedi ever encountered Grievous? And then some stupid guy got into the conversation and said, "Was Scooby Doo canon too?" And, and Pablo started responding to that guy, and I never got an answer. Some guy literally hijacked. I guess I, I was that close to getting an answer about whether the, whether Clone Wars could be partially canon, and some guy hijacked my conversation. Twitter troll. Well, yeah, it was like I said, and, he, and the problem is that like, he let the guy literally hijack the conversation because, like, I was being nice to him. Like, I, th- I anytime I well, back when he actually would be like he respond to tweets. Now um, he doesn't really do that anymore. But I would say to be like, I always like be polite. Like I, t- I tell him like, oh, thank you. It's like, thank you for your time. Thank you for everything you do. That never got you any brownie points with him. Because like if there was one person that sat or asked something stupid, he treated everybody with contempt. Which again, I, it's, I don't blame him. I know it must be frustrating being hounded by um, dumb people. Like just like with like harassing like tweets and stuff. But like, come on, man. If someone's being like polite to you and just being like very cordial. Like, yeah, I wasn't harassed. I asked him like one question. I just wanted, again... He gave a vague answer. He couldn't help but ask for a little bit more um, information. According to this, the first appearance of Grievous during the Clone Wars is in a comic. Well, yeah, but... I don't know. The first appearance of him during the war is is that one ship thing that he has that fires that ion pulse. Well, yeah, in the Clone Wars series. Let's check Legends. Well, Did Legends, you know? it's going it's going to be this the two thousand nine series. Two thousand three series. Hold on, hold on, let me see. He was also at the Battle of Geonosis. That's where he got like shot down and then turned into the droid thing. Yep. According to this, the Battle of Hypori. Oh wait, Canon. According to the it does mention that in Catalyst, it does mention it. It was yeah. first can his first canoni- can- canonical reference was in two thousand sixteen's Catalyst. Um, according to this, it's still saying that in canon does say that Grievous, um, but it does mention the micro series that is, I don't know, this is confusing because it says legends, but at the same time it says, well, it's in, it's in a weird space, like the battle. Okay. So again, I can't find the battle happened, but was Grievous there? It's a simple question. Just answer it. God dang it. Well, yeah, I I found my tweets to power answer it. Yeah, but he deleted his um, response. I know. I know. Pablo's gone through numerous um, Twitter purges. Don't so, worry, guys. I got there. this. I'll answer this for us. It did happen. Prove uh, me wrong, Star Wars. It's the balls in your court. All right. Are we all done? Till next time. 
So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at KOV Podcast and f- check us out on our Facebook group. Search Knights of Vader into Facebook and chances are you'll find it. This time, Mark won't be peering into your curtains, so added bonus. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at RogueKnight, K-N-I-T-E. And you can find me on the Cinemodities Podcast, discussing Unsolved Mysteries. Any Robert Stack fans out there, the original Unsolved Mysteries, Rob and I are talking all sorts of Unsolved Mysteries nonsense. Where can you find you guys? You can find me on Twitter at MarkFanPatriot. And you can find me canonizing Star Wars The Legend stuff. Uh, Starkiller. Officially canon. Judge Zenger. He's the new Papa. He, he's now the new Pablo Hidalgo, Judge Zenger. I took it. Prove me wrong, people. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Bye. 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 Star Wars Clone Wars aired at 8 o'clock that night. And then first thing in the morning, I got to go off and play Yu-Gi-Oh! at Toys R Us. Is somebody oiling your door hinges? Oh, it's, just my, it's my wife answering the door. Oh, uh, okay. Tell her you need some oil on those hinges. We're going to sponsor you to get some W. We're going to sponsor that offers you some WD-40, Mark. All right. Or um, we'll have a, page, a Patreon bonus. Buy Mark a can of WD-40 and um, receive a Knights of Vader shirt. That's a, that's a good incentive, right? You buy, you send Mark a can of WD. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> Get on, Pork Knight. We'll send you a shirt. And so, here, and and also, you can hear him use it on the following episode. <laughs> Not the, the background Patreon exclusive. That'll be the Patreon exclusive. Here, Mark, oil the door. So you hear like a. Uh-uh. And then you don't hear anything. That's that's the best part. You'll never know if he cut, if it actually. I guess you you'll assume it worked, or maybe he just went to a different room and started recording. Before Mark goes into sleep mode, I want us to say this all at once. Indoraptor. Oh, no, not Indoraptor. Indoraptor. Okay. One, two, three. Indoraptor. Indoraptor. <laughs> what was the point of all this? <laughs> oh, oh, this is a mess. This is like hurting. You know what this new, new podcast name? Uh, hurting Cats, a Star Wars podcast. Ah, <laughs> <laughs>